conversation without hesitation. In these interesting times we live in, when you discuss sensitive topics, it's almost like you have to justify the reason you're allowed to discuss them. In some ways, I understand that. In other ways, if we could see past our petty differences and understand that we're all just on the same big blue ball hurtling through space and we need to have an open discussion about all things without hesitation, without justification, then I think we could actually truly try and move forward. However, at the same time, I do understand how the things that we discuss at times people could take offence to or could see it in a different light to how we present it. It was a great pleasure and an honour to have Richard in the refinery, finally. And our aim for this podcast was to have an open discussion. We wanted to have a discussion about many sensitive topics, however, without filter, so we could truly express our opinions. And look, that's not to say that we're still not respectful, because you know that I am, and Richard is also. However, lifting that veil of continual justification gives us a space where we can truly explore the ideas on an esoteric level, on a philosophical level, and try and understand them. And this conversation was that. Sitting down with a guy like Richard is always a learning experience. And I always come out to talk to him, whether it be on the phone or through the mics, with a different perspective, uh, a deeper understanding, and multiple perspectives as well. And that's so important. You know, we, we went back to the mirror ball analogy in this one because it's something we didn't haven't talked about in a little while. It is important to collect those tiles on the mirror ball. On that note, I think that's enough out of me. I want you guys to get into this conversation. I'm going to use a Screaming Jet song that I imagine not a lot of you have heard. You know, some, most of you would know the hits and our international listeners look up those guys. However, it's a song called Impossible. I think it's very poignant for the moment. As always, guys, reach out on knocking the code 9 at gmail.com, Patreon, Instagram, Facebook. There is a new website coming. I am finalising some pretty cool bits and pieces that I am going to let you guys know about soon. Hope all is well. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. Be cool. And we'll talk soon. Cheers. Can't do much about the government's policies Can't do much about the heresies Can't do too much to stop the squeeze on society When you're all out of touch, you can't have much to say We can put a man on the moon, but we can't find a cure for starvation Everybody's passing the buck and there's no realization Will it like be impossible? But there ain't no harm in trying Said it like being impossible, but I'm gonna die trying Can't do much about the birth of a new age Can't do much about the old days 
Can't do much about the equal and opposite reaction Can't do much about that satisfaction I don't know much about it I didn't listen too much There's no use in denying Your piece of luck Will it be impossible You can't do much about what's gonna happen today And you can't do much about yesterday You can't say much against some angry individual You can't say much against the majority G'day everyone, welcome back. It's a great pleasure and an honour to have Richard Patterson in the refinery tonight. How are you, mate? Um, I'm being well cooked in the refinery and very happy to be here. Yeah. I hope to be tempered with conversation to a fine instrument of knowing. Yeah, I think it's and it, and sort of you captured almost straight away what we wanted to do tonight is that we wanted to just have an open conversation uh, about the Stones, about maybe the the global spiritual culture uh, maybe who knows man this is not this we just wanted to have an open conversation without uh hesitation so you know which we, we're both looking forward to we wanted to turn the mics on we kept having the start of the conversation didn't we mate it, it kept beginning with, ah, just hang on a second because mm-hmm. we didn't want to leave it on the table uh, yeah. so firstly the topics we get into tonight Maybe sensitive, and I think as long as we ensure that we honour and respect and see the original people of this land and and all the the peoples of all lands, really, it's it's, it's Team Earth, it's Team Human. However, we just want to have an open conversation, but we are understanding and, and welcoming of all cultures, of all tribes, of all religions, of all colours, of all creeds, of all sexes, because it, it, at the end of the day, it's Team Human. However, we just want to sit and have a open discussion about many, many different topics and love and respect and peace to you all. Do you have anything to add to that, mate, before we get stuck in? Oh, well, I was going to say a lot, but peace to you all is a very good um, beginning or end of any any statement. So mm. I totally concur with that and all the things I said before. Um, I think that anyone listening will... Um, you know, and people, hopefully, if they're true people and true to themselves, they'll have a gut reaction to even a tone of voice. Mm. And um, I hope they'll understand by even that that we speak totally respectful. 
but at the same time, um, we have the privilege of being in the in the inferno. Yes, that's true. That's true, mate. And I think open discussion, unbiased open discussion from whatever perspective is important to have in any in any at any time, especially now, because we need to have multiple perspectives and an understanding of of many different layers. You know, we are as we sort of spoke about over the phone last time, we are in a in a time of, you could almost say, prophecy. You know, we, we weren't sure that it was going to be us. However, it turns out that it is. This is a truly a life-changing moment for the entire planet. And there's a lot of very interesting information that continues to reveal itself as we go along. And obviously, you know, the primary part that we've spoken about in the past and we want to touch on to start with is is... The Standing Stones uh, is is Stonehenge. The Aussie Stonehenge is the that area in particular. You know, I think it's it's so many things, and I think it's very. You know, I, I tell people now. You know, oh, did you know Australia had a Stonehenge? What? No. No one knows, and the fact that it was systematically and, and you would almost have to say deliberately destroyed or that and that side of that spiritual culture on this side of the world in my opinion from the research and all that sort of stuff it was systematically destroyed on purpose i think uh so we couldn't figure out what it actually truly meant because it was actually an important piece of the puzzle and i think stonehenge was probably one of the crowning jewels of that puzzle do you think yes it was and could be um yeah, um, someone uh, made a comment the other day about the Australian Stonehenge when they'd seen a design of it, and they said, "Oh, it looks very much like the one in Britain." And um, but the way, and then they made, but the continuation of the comment suggested that it was a copy, and you know, questioning its validity if it's a copy mm. made of, or you know, and I did, I, I don't think I even went too far in responding, but it was pretty much uh, what I wanted to really get across was um, where's the copy. You know, yeah, because you know the the, the British Stonehenge is what three four thousand years old supposedly. Yes, and yes. Yeah. The Australian Stonehenge it could be ten thousand years plus. Mm. So and they look nothing like each other anyway. Stonehenge is a circle within a circle, whereas Australia Stonehenge is more of a uh, a Celtic cross almost is what how people would understand it, or a medicine wheel. That's what the, really the shape of it is. You know. Yeah. But um, in from what I've looked at the British one, it has a um, horseshoe in the centre, and the Australian Stonehenge, although at, at the ends had the the Celtic cross in a sense, mm. the um, the whole shape of it with the boomerang centre yeah. makes a horseshoe. Yeah, and so there's a horseshoe there, pointing to the other the other horseshoe. If you get a map of the Earth, and you can see that you know at the bottom of the globe or the top from there, is the is the British one facing away and also facing towards us? If you look at a globe, it's a, a diagram would help. But, oh, um, that yeah, we spoke about that. I don't know if it was on the mics or off the mics. The fact that the English Stonehenge, if you because you've started to do some of that stuff, you mm. looked at it from a global perspective. I know we talked about uh, the Easter Island. I wouldn't mind touching on that again for for some of the new listeners that are here. However, the fact that the Aussie Stonehenge, because I mean, it, to me. Like the, obviously the the computer renditions you made and and the survey documents that I had the the honour of looking at, it almost looks to me more like the Milky Way 
with sort of two centres. I wouldn't have said it was a, a, a horseshoe. You know, I think there's very much an arc to it. However, you were saying that that arc pretty much matches Stonehenge in... Yeah, inter- uh, thank you for correcting me with um, the Stonehenge. Um, when I say um, horseshoe, the one in Britain is horseshoe shaped. The one in Australia is more elongated. Yeah. And, but essentially, they're both parabolic curves. Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what I, was, what, what I was trying to get across. So you've got this parabolic curve, and then you've got the circle structures on both ends of it yeah. and then you've got the Stonehenge and the circle structure so it's almost like um, two different snowflakes we know they're both snowflakes mm. but and, and what makes us know they're both snowflakes they're um, larger um, facets in play you know yeah um, but you know, on the intricacy on the inside um, there's a, its own its own unique thing mm. but at the same time follows some sort of order yeah. They both seem to follow an order, mm, but okay. that's not just Stonehenge, this Stonehenge, but also the other standing stones that I've come across and have the, um, been lucky to see firsthand or researched. Yeah, and I, that that's sort of, and that's that's actually something I really need to unpack in a deeper way with you, Richard, because my interpretation of that, because you're right, there's there's things that echo. The circles, the way they're set out, winter, summer solstice, uh, Pleiades, certain constellations, certain uh, marker stars, those sorts of things. They all have something in common, but they're a little bit different. And I, I look at that now as a potentially a global interpretation of a single spiritual faith sort of thing. Like it's, it's like you say, they're both snowflakes, but they're different. And they they are different because of where they're being placed. Like so, you know, when we first sat down uh, down at your place down at Ocean Shores, there, it was a um, we spoke about people coming to Australia to learn the way of the spiritual culture. Do you think that when they went back to where from whence they came? these different standing stones and all this sort of stuff, it seems to me it's like an interpretation of one belief system. Is it, what, how, do we, how do you try and describe it? I don't think at the start it would have been an interpretation. I think that anyone who had come and been indoctrinated had gone through ceremony, yeah. I think they um, couldn't help but return with a fairly with, a, with the inability to interpret because of the idea that, of a collective consciousness. Mm-hmm. The interpretation comes through um, that Chinese whispers we have today, and sort of like the grey fuzz that sort of invaded us mm-hmm. over over in recent times. And um, but that, when I say recent times, we're talking about how old is mankind. Um, so I think they're not. Imp- I think now they've been interpreted by us differently. Yeah. And I think that um, over time, certain sites were altered. Mm-hmm. Into um, colloquial interpretation, right? Uh, but I think originally they they were different, but they weren't different interpretations. It's like um, how's a fender a different interpretation of a bumper bar, or how's a exhaust a different interpretation of a steering wheel? Yeah, you know they it, they were mechanisms. They were worshipped for different aspects. Mm-hmm. You know, they buy the um, the component mm-hmm. of the machine. Yeah. Um, differently, mm. but they saw it as part of a whole. Yeah. So they weren't just admiring the bubba bar. Yeah, I mean, through admiring the, the front, through through the maintenance of that can, that component, 
they understood how it helped the whole. The whole and vehicle the whole, is one. Yeah, and they worship the whole, mm. the oneness. The, they're the oneness so, of the planet, I suppose, you would think. Yeah, so I guess, you know, the, there wouldn't be have much interpretation of contradiction, mm. you thought, mm. for a very long time. Yeah. For there to be a second empire, that uh, an empire that's basically hel- holding the world in a thought. Mm-hmm. You know, and th- so that thought... It would have been universal mm-hmm. for, or, and if there were different thoughts, there wouldn't have been a, a spiritual empire. Yeah, right. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. The word interpretation is interesting. It isn't. It is very interesting. So, the other. So, would you say is it's a more more would have been a, a um, the oneness? You know, is it harnessing understanding that the earth is provides for us, and because uh, it seemed to be. Here's a question: Is it we we look upon those times as more harmonious with the planet, um, due to the standing stones? They do evoke a um, a belief in nature, a belief in the earth, and and those things. Is it that we want the past to be you know the grass be greener on the other side, or is it a um, do you truly think that once upon a time prior to our let's face it, the patriarchy and the materialistic, capitalistic existences that we've created over the past three and a half thousand years, um, there was, a, there was a, bit, a greater understanding and we did live in more harmony. And was that, yeah, is that... Uh, uh, yes, but I think um, we underestimate the chaos and disorder we have here. Um, it's black meets white, yin meets yang. Mm. And I think that... Um, that time of harmony of oneness was made sacred by what is happening now for the comparison yeah. to be simplicity well then that, encapsulated that, needed a vessel yes and we're weirdly we're the vessel because our hard crust um ugly self holds the pure water of the yeah. past yes 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 okay i understand Understood. Well, good because I barely do. Yeah, it's 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 in, it's an interesting, uh, and I suppose is that a so we sort of get into dark versus light, and you know the the they all they must exist in in harmony with each other, or you know the, as the dark grows, the light grows to meet it. Like the, there's always that, um, as you say, the yin versus yang versus. Well, our shadow self needs to be respected, yeah, um, and it not underestimated. Mm. And um, the and 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 for a time in the past where there was harmony, the, the darkness and chaos and disorder and entropy may have been at the recesses, yeah, at the at the limits of what they were, mm. you know, and to put aside for or means and purposes. Mm. So operationally impossible yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Um, but to for them for those things that we're suffering through now, for those things to be eliminated from their concept mm. beca- to become an impossible thing, mm. not just um, functionally impossible, but virtually impossible never to be, yeah. um, in a sense sort of um, disrespects the darkness. Mm. And by disrespecting the darkness, they sort of it, it sort of risks the disrespect of their light yeah so i think they respected what we are um for what we go through mm. but also they they 
you know, they couldn't, they they understood dark and light was happening simultaneously within them because of the acknowledgement that although dark wasn't there in their existence at that chronological time, it was um, in the fourth dimension existing through the uh, the effects of our existence now. Mm. So one led to the other naturally. Yeah. And they coexist on a cosmic level, a mm. conscious cosmic level, simultaneously. Mm. Um, that, that that doesn't. So, but but at the same time, we have to respect the light and understand that you know the concept of because if, if you know the idea is if there is this fantastic um, past civilization, yeah. then what went wrong? If yeah. they say perfect, why do they fall? Yeah, exactly. Um, and what I'm trying to explain is fall was not a. Um, was not a curse like death is not a curse for life because it gets us animated yeah so their animation their life in a sense relied on our and our, on the deaths we're going through yeah um and not in something they relished or not or, but but at the same time it's a natural process mm. so they seem incompatible and it seems as if um something they did wrong mm. might have led to the fall but but or is, it, but, but, or is it just we're on a big blue ball hurtling through space and some rocks come out of the sky because they do that every now and again? Mm. You know, like we have to, we live in a cosmic shooting gallery, you know, not a lot of people understand that. Mm. Mm. Um, it may not be something they brought upon themselves. It may have been something that's part of the the galactical cycle, you know, the universal cycle. Yeah, well, I think it's it was part of a universal cycle, is part of, of that. Um but I'm I, I'm wary to demarcate it to just Earth. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think it, it. Well, you know, you could you could you could open a discussion there about our solar system and the fact that whilst it's not very unique as far as solar systems go, if anything was one degree out from where it is now, the whole show wouldn't work. Mm. You know, the, one of the reasons we're unique is we have a big gas giant that catches half the rocks before they make it into the inner solar system. You know, like the fact that our moon matches the sun, like there's all sorts of things that whilst our solar system, from what we've observed, is not very... It's, it's actually one of the reasons it's unique is it's not, a, it's not a twin star system. Most star systems are twin stars as opposed to single. And but the, I'm trying to... There's a, there's a, there's a word for it. There's a, there's a guy that basically worked it out that if it was one degree off everything would be in chaos in our mm. solar system and mm. Earth would not exist as we understand it. Life is the unique thing that is here um, and our ability to talk and discuss is is what sets us apart from the other mammalian species. So you, do you think that that... Obviously, we've... The processional cycle is an interesting one. Just to, so we talk about cycles, right? So every twelve thousand six hundred and whatever it is, seventy-two years, we go through a processional cycle. If you look back through the history books, that you know that was pretty much the last time the cataclysm came. You know, because we're in the what the age of Aquarius now, as opposed to we were in Pisces before, mm-hmm. I think. So that is the next step in the processional cycle through the stars, which we go back to the stones. A lot of these sites are processional markers as well, so they understood that grander galactic cycle themselves. You know, and it's interesting. It's interesting. Did did they do something to make themselves fall, 
or was it a random cataclysm that they, I mean, because, you know, some of the, what's the story? The story's the same. doesn't matter whether, you know, look at the range of deities and bits and pieces we've got around the refinery here. The story's still the same, and that is that, you know, it's the Ark story. They knew the cataclysm was coming, right? Get your animals two by two, put them in the boat, you know, build a boat, you better survive. You know, that's the story. That is the story that echoes across every single continent. doesn't matter which way you go, mm. which I do believe in essence is actually the cause of that that story is not a myth. I think it's truth because they knew the rocks were coming. They knew they were going to hit the ice shelf. I mean, the Sumerian texts suggest, you know, that, that, that you read those texts and they say that they knew the, the cataclysm coming was so bad that they fled the planet. So, you know, you, you can throw that sort of stuff into the mix and then, so that posits space travel. But I mean, if you think about the Vimanas and there's all these representations of what looks like spacecraft, not throughout Egypt and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, in, in the interpretation of some of those drawings and stuff is like, oh, they were just drawing for the sake of drawing. I don't think that that's the case. I think they're drawing what they see. Do you think so? Yeah, I think I think they drew what they saw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Simple answer. Yeah. 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 So if it was a... So do you think we are the survivors of that race? Is that where you lean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's how come at Gobekli Tepe, basically agriculture springs up pretty much immediately there. Theoretically, that's where it began. Hmm. Yeah, well, I I think we're survivors of that the race, but I think they, you know, I think they are survivors too of something before and mm. something before. That's the cosmic cycle, and sometimes they can span twelve thousand years, and sometimes a million. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think we. What's inviolable is that a rock's going to hit mm-hmm. somewhere somehow, mm. and whether it's a rock or a flood or a EMP wave or mm. some interstellar object that's much larger than the entire solar system whatever it might be mm. things happen yeah, do, yeah. shit happens it does it shit does happen <laughs> so yeah. um yeah i think i think anyone even you know a human in their own lifetime begins to realize that that can happen things can go astray mm. um and to build an expectation into the into their culture it's like when we sing fairy tales you know the um, lullabies to our children, you know, yeah, ring a ring a rosy. Yeah, pop, that's that's yeah. the black and when light. the bell breaks, yeah. you know, the concept that things of the, the fall. Mm. Um, I think it's you know, we why do we sing them out of all the songs? We know they're nonsensical in a way, and there's so many other good songs. We we don't sing lullabies to ourselves, but we have this feeling to want to give these sort of gentle messages to our you know, ones we love the most. Yeah, and I think that um, the Gobletep and Dragonstone Hinge is in a sort of loose sense gentle messages mm. and yeah and of of the idea that they, of cataclysm yeah. and death and um the tower falling um the supernova mm. and um and i think you know when the cataclysm happens we're reminded of that and uh, you know it's like world war ii and there's war memorials all over the place we yeah. don't really think about it today but someone cared um, to sort of say, hey, you know, we need to remember this. That, to remember this is this. the contrast, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that if you are if you went to Cobble Tep when they were building it and you said, what are you doing? They would say, okay, it's for the future. But for us, to remember what the, the one before that. Yeah. 
And well, that's know, pillar forty-three. That's a star map, that sort of stuff. Yeah, like that's a, that's some of the research that I got involved in. One of the things I wanted to explore more with you uh, is the fact that I know, and again, it's hard to we we speak uh, regularly, so it's hard to say what we put on the mic and what we didn't. However, the fact that a lot of these sites, and obviously specifically Australia Stonehenge, you you know about that one, but you you'd be aware as well that a lot of these sites seem to be missing for want of a better term, their activation stones, right? The the pyramid's missing its capstone. There's temples throughout Southeast Asia that have enclaves on all four corners where something sits, but no one's ever seen what sits in there. You know, you talk about um, control stones or missing stones within the cycle of uh, Australia's Stonehenge when it was interpreted back in the 30s. What do you think that... And it's hard, again, we're having an open conversation. Do you think that these missing pieces, is that what, so you talk about, you know, go back to your car analogy. Every single one of these sites is a part of a car, right? You you add the power source to the mechanism. Do these things become vortexes? Do they, is it just a physical way of, um, is there a technology involved here? to try and put a western it's, and it's so hard because we think through our western minds you know we try and apply what we see and feel every day to try and interpret these things because and, and english is such a brutal language while we're doing it but what did you like if we could get these missing pieces and add them back into wherever what what does that look like why What's your what's your feeling on that? What's your instincts on that? Because they seem to be there's bits and pieces missing. It's like as you say, we're interpreting a, a drawing that was drawn ten thousand years ago, but it looks like there's stuff missing. So it's not complete anyway. So whatever interpretation we can make of this stuff, a we're not looking at it in its primary form, and b I don't think we're looking at a complete part of it anyway. Okay, so. No matter how magnificent these sites are around the world, um, if you put them on a map scale, they're dots. Mm. And if we look into the dot and we see that it's been rubbed off a bit, each, you know, like it's, it's been erased slightly. But from the distance, it's dots. But the picture's not made just with dots. The picture's are made when you join the dots. Mm. So there are two, two things I think we should need to consider to see how difficult that question is and how the answer's yeah. hard to find. I know. Well, actually, three things I'd like to go through. One is that the idea that in, when there was this oneness that Stonehenge was um, the rich one, Australian one, and all the other sites were specifically worshipped disregards the idea that with being intrinsic that every foot between those 10,000-kilometre distance sites or whatever were also vital. Hmm. So... It, when these sacred sites were in a sense sort of navels in a way to the body mm. that the skin of the body of the earth every location would have been sacred in between or it would have been meaningless every step yeah. every step mm. so whether so people whether if you in a sense it would have been to them nonsensical for them back then when someone if said okay pointed to the australian stone here said this is special they it would be weird for them for anyone to point to this when so the the, the space of land left of it is two mm. and the space left after that left of that till it gets to the next spot yeah. the line between the dots yeah 
So they would have seen the picture because they're not just looking at the dots and we can't see the picture because it's not just about putting capstones on or, or cornerstones or code stones. It's about getting back to understanding the lines between both, which is yeah. where we live. Yeah, you know the the sites were for, were visitation sites. Mm. No one owned these sites. They no. were places where communal um, gatherings at times of the year, um, or times of necessity. Yeah, um, but the people lived and abided by the law of the day, the LORE law, the way between those sites, just as sacredly as they would on the sites. So. Yeah. If we have this idea that by finding the missing pieces, we're all going to something's going to happen, mm. what will happen when all the sites pieces are put back? If we only put the pieces back, nothing will happen. Yeah, true. So if you said, "What happens when we put it back?" I would have said nothing, and that would have been the end of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so I was worried. I was worried about to ask him because I'm trying to be, you know, I don't want to interject. No, no, no. Um, but you went on, so I hope I can respond in that manner. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first consideration. Mm. Um, the second thing. So without, so just to. Interpret and mm. without the belief of or, or the true understanding of the oneness and the sacredness of the planet mm -hmm. and the power that it in, it actually imbibes on a day to day basis, as you say, the the step between the steps, the space between the, the spaces, lines, the ley lines, the ley lines, the mm. song lines, all mm -hmm. these things. Mm -hmm. Potentially, nothing would happen anyway. It doesn't yeah. matter if you had the machine. The, yeah, the machine can't run. Yeah, there's no the the, the fuel lines aren't there. The yeah. the, the um, nervous system yeah. isn't in place. Because we don't um, understand it. Yeah. yeah. So so that's the first thing. So, mm -hmm. And I know people will say, oh, we need to even put Rowan Stone Hinge together and then something's going to happen. Mm. Um, but I think it doesn't really take the totality into account. So, you know, so that's good news for us because we don't have to try so hard individually. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, it's, it's up, you know, but it is it is weighing on everyone else's responsibility yeah. if they want well, to clear well, everything up. Well, isn't it? Well, it's, yeah, okay, we don't have to do as much. However, at the same time, each of us has to do an equal part in attempting to understand. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really well good way of putting it. Better than I could have. Mm. Good. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So what? So what's the second thing? Oh, the second thing is, um, where are they? Okay. Yes. And I think, and, I, and the simple answer. Oh, I always go for the simple answer because mm -hmm. I can remember it. Mm -hmm. Is that um, they're being hidden by a very old secret order, but. They're hidden in a way where if any bit was discovered, it wouldn't seem as if it was hidden. It, oh, it would seem more as if um, they'd been misplaced or forgotten. Right. And I think the way they do that isn't by um, having some place under the Louvre that has a big vault of yeah, all the, the pieces. Yeah, the Vatican Library, the, the, library. The, the safe that we all think about. Yeah. I think what they do instead is they hide it amongst us. They hide it amongst um, prejudice and ignorance. So Farmer John has it in the back of his hair shed and, and doesn't know for it. it. You know, it's just a rock or whatever. Yeah, um, it's holding a barbecue together. Yeah, and he hides it in the way by the by the um, um, discordance, the dishonestness that the secret organization that's been around for a long time um, generates yeah. around the world. So and that's how they hide it, and yeah. it's hidden. Yeah. Oh, mate, this so what's the third thing? And then we'll come back to the second things. I want to dig into that. Um, the third thing uh, was, um, well, it's a bit more complicated, I guess. Um, firstly, uh, it's not about, okay, so that dot on that map, you know, I use the earth to say these, these are just dots on a piece of paper. But I believe the dots are much more further arrayed, um, interplanetary, interstellar. 
yes. hopefully not interdimensional because that brings a lot um, that brings responsibility of the person into question mm-hmm. because it's not it becomes quantum physics instead you know it's not just black and white yeah but just assuming we're getting down to vibration now yeah, yeah. so when, just assuming it's it's, it's limited all intents and purposes to this universe yeah i think the dots are all over the place meaning planets we'll never find for a very very long time and stars we can't yet see um that's what i believe when it comes to i guess the vastness of a past civilization yeah um so just connecting the just connecting the dots when on a cosmic scale this is a dot doesn't do much anyway to fix the machine yeah so i'm so it's not just our responsibility it could be an interplanetary responsibility. There's an interplanetary galactic. Yeah, and we're so, applying. Yeah, so we once again the onus on us being, you know, okay, maybe fixing the dots here will save us. Yeah, it'll help us. Yeah, but it's once again a very selfish act. Mm. You know, so do we connect the dots for us or for all? Is okay. So here's the question though: Is in so let's say. I like this, right? So I want to go back to secret orders. However, let's say we are part of a, a galactical responsibility to try and bring something back that was once before and reactivate it. Is not our... Like, we know more about our stars around us than we know about the oceans on our planet, essentially. So we already have an obsession like there's there's part of us that wants to get off this planet right and 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 search the stars would if we truly understand that oneness and reactivated ourselves primarily i think as a global civilization and understanding would we then would the next step to be would that would that give us the ability or not the ability but the 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 better understanding to search our galactic neighborhood you know, if we could truly interpret these star stones, if we could truly interpret these these sites properly, maybe they would provide a, a roadmap, for want of a better description. You know, if we could actually understand and reactivate them, the knowledge that may come with that, that's a hell of a responsibility, and that's obviously we need to be at a certain vibration to get to even begin to understand that knowledge in, in any shape. However, maybe that would be our part in the galactic puzzle. Our part is to reactivate and let people know that we've reactivated or let beings know or let whoever fucking know, you know? Um, okay. So we're in the inferno, so I'll, I'll speak as openly as, as I can feel. This is what we're doing, man. We're open. There's, okay. there's nothing's off the table. Okay. So I taught it for – I had the pleasure and privilege of um, teaching at a school in Melbourne called Press Hill. Um, a great school, um, wonderful school, really loved it, loved the staff, loved the students, etc. And I was having a chat one time with, with um, some people there, and um, I asked them this, I said, you know how you're a really progressive school, and you know, no uniforms, no bells, um, first name basis, really, you know, sit around, like we're sitting around and teaching, mm. you, know, in, in, you know, on beautiful, comfortable chairs that you have here. Um, it was a pleasure. Um, but I said to them, if... I know I understand there's meant to be, uh, you know, um, this conspiracy of, you know, locking people's voices and denying freedom of speech and 
political correctness and all these sort of ways where there's ideas that that the media throws at us where we're locked and everyone says, oh, they're out to get us. And I said, if they're out to get you and they're, um, and stop people like you being open mm. and yet they're in, con- in charge of the whole world, why are you able to do what you do? Mm. And um, they didn't know. And I suggested perhaps you're part of it. Perhaps they, it's like um, it, in America they say there's the, um, people have freedom of speech and because they have the concept, it's very easy for freedom of speech to be stopped and distorted and people to be silenced. And um, But the illusion that they're free yeah, comes yeah, through the The illusion existence. of free will, yeah. So perhaps how do we not know that our open conversation here propagates the illusion? Mm. They allow us to speak or they allow us to live a life, lives where we gain certain knowledge, particular knowledge that um, at certain times and places can be um, worth hearing. Yeah. But how do we not know we're, we're propagating the illusion of freedom, no matter how free we are? In, in where we are well I suppose we don't mate you know that that's the question isn't it you know I think there's a there's a thought process there that I think if in the, okay so we pretend that there's the you know the space daddy or the one percent or the the secret order da 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 right I think if if that, those those people or that organization or however you want to put it exists I think they'd put the internet back in the box because the internet gave us a way to communicate globally. And by the time they let it out and by the time it took over, they couldn't actually physically stop it. There's a lot of obviously misinformation and disinformation that's implanted into that network. And every single person having a voice at some point might not be a good idea. And I can understand that I might be part of that every now and again. However, the freedom to do what we're doing now propagates knowledge that needs to be shared, which I would want to hope does make some positive impact to certain people. And I know it does because I hear from the listeners around the globe. However, at the same time, I, I, I can also feel what you're saying. You know, are we part of the, you know, they, they allow X amount to speak to keep the balance or to keep that illusion running. I, I see to me, you know, the hope would be if there is this um one percenter that's controlling all, that even if they're controlling our freedom, that we'll fluke it. That maybe in this room we'll break it and go, Well, you know, if they give us a leash that's long enough that maybe it'll snap. Yeah. Maybe there's that hope. Mm. But for them there's that risk. So why would they risk it? Um, well, you can almost see the, well, you know, it's 2020, isn't it? You know, the, the controls and everything that's been put in place against us for the, what we've been dealing with this year is almost a, the stuff that's going on this year is, is almost smells so much that it seems almost evidence that something like that does exist. You know, like there's, there's no one I've talked to anywhere, and that's including lay people, just random people don't think that what what has happened this year smells you know it, it doesn't smell right there's something about it is that so is that the like the internet has got away from it. we are beginning to wake up you know religion's losing its power 
to a point, science is losing its power. We're beginning, you know, it seems that there's a, a growing movement of global spiritual understanding and, and being nice to each other and realising that we're all the fucking same regardless of anything. Is that not a reason enough if this, is say, 1% has existed to implement something like the coronavirus to bring those controls back? and put us in a state of fear, because in a state of fear, we give up control. Whereas in a, you know, if we could, and that's a negative emotion, that's a negative energy, it's a lower vibration. If we could see past that and understand that we're all the same and understand all that shit, wouldn't that send us out of there? Well, there's definitely a shift. Um, I once was heard someone say, if the news told us anything that could change anything, it wouldn't be on the news. And we pretty much, you know, from un- until this year, no one could, there, people, there were people out there who wouldn't have to hear the news, never watch the news, turn off the TV. Yeah. It, and th- if they had not watched a single news item and lived their daily lives, they wouldn't notice much of a change. But now the news is reporting something that has changed us, into everyone. Yeah. And that's different. The news is actually talking about things that matter to us. Mm. So that separation has ended. So, yeah. So, I'll, I'll if it's okay, I'm just going to tell you what I think about this organisation. Okay. Okay. Because well, I do want. So, before you talk yeah. about this organisation, do you believe that it's the same organisation that has systematically? tried to destroy the remnants of this spiritual culture that we're talking about? Do you think it's one and the same? Yes, but I'll change destroy it to slow down. Okay. To retard. Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah, give them more time. Mm. Yeah. So, I yeah. Okay, and I do, and I think they're very old. So, can I ask you a direct question? During your time in England, during your Jack the Ripper investigations, did you meet anyone or find any like does in your opinion you you've walked in places that people could only dream of walking in did you see evidence of this do you think it does exist at a at some level yeah yeah okay so what's your opinion on it take me down the rabbit hole all right um okay i think maybe the highest intelligence is morality Yes. Okay. So we and you know people call it hope or faith, and we're we're talking here with the hope that what we're doing is meaningful mm. and does something good. Absolutely. Yeah. And we wouldn't be talking if we were worried about it otherwise. Yeah. Okay. And that's a morality. Yeah. So we're using words, but deep in you and deep in art, me and us and those who are tuned in to this conversation, they hold on to that morality. Mm. Okay. So let's assume for a moment mm-hmm. that this organization holds morality. Okay. Let's assume if if morality is the highest form of intelligence, let's assume they aspire to that too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, so why would a well I, I won't ask a question, I'll say the answers. The answer I think to why they are secret is because they hold a secret. Mm. And I believe it's a secret that's so terrible to our way of thinking of what we're, our, our purpose as individuals beyond the system, mm. that they hesitate 
and I use that as a plate word, destroy the destroy um, sacred sites over millennia or hundreds of years, whichever. Um, they hesitate because revealing that will call upon our morality, right? And and to put it as a metaphor, if if we activate everything, say we activate everything, it's all active, mm-hmm. and the machine turns out to be a euthanasia machine that or that and maybe in a more simpler term, I find I, 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 I'm in my backyard, I put together some circle of stones and something happens. Yeah. And what it produces is a thing, a tablet, if I take, kills me, but um, makes the rest of the earth immortal. Right. Yeah. So no one will ever die. I kill myself, but 7 billion people will live forever. Yeah. They won't feel sickness or pain. Mm-hmm. Now, more, in a moral sense, I should take that tablet. Yes. So what if we activate it, and what if the secret is the the truth that by activating it, Earth has to decide to take the tablet? Why would we want to activate it if we if it gets us to a moral conclusion that we've got to take the tablet because it's the only thing that will feel right on a moral level? And the only way not to take the tablet is to dumb ourselves down and use an intelligence of academia or intelligence of love or whatever we might have below morality. Right. I keep bloody doing that. I just move bring that a bit closer. Um, that's interesting. Would you want to, if, if you knew the secret, if I said, hey, Triffin, here's the secret, mm. and you knew that going outside and breaking your barbecue was the, was the way to go to keep the secret, or because it was partly the barbecue that got you to the answer, mm. Or do you, you know, and retard other people from knowing that secret? Mm. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm only assuming that I, I'm only speculating on the concept that the one percent are good. Yeah, is that a hope that they're good, or do you think that they are? Well, I think that that it's a hope. Yeah, mm. it's it's the idea that they're moral. The mm. idea that morality matters even to them. But surely, again, okay, so if, if a good uh, organisation existed that understood the morality of being human, if that is the same organisation that destroyed the sites, is it one of those things that absolute power corrupts absolutely? And because obviously we took a left turn somewhere, whilst... Everything that we've created over the past 200 years has given us a, a very amazing civilization to exist in. It's quite obvious that we're not feeding our souls. We are, you know, we, we're being led to believe that, you know, stupid shit like color, creed, sex, religion actually divides us to a point where we have to kill each other over and over and over again. Do you think they took a left turn and maybe didn't? should have shared some information and didn't and it's got away from them or do you think that go back to the dark and light that we spoke about before the fact that there's a good moral order that's holding the secret is there an equal one that wants to create this infinite profit dog eat dog materialistic society that we exist in um, and how do they combat each other and is 
the prevalence of the internet, the prevalence of podcasting, the ability to have conversations like this, is that not the moral side giving us some tools to play with or giving us a battleground to fight on? Because, you know, I know for a fact that all colour creeds and religions listen to this podcast and they can hear us trying to thrash out these esoteric ideas in an honest way and that breaks down the barriers of these things that are supposedly there to divide us, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to discuss the ongoing pedophilia rings that are being uncovered all over the planet, you know, Mm. the, the... and there's something seems to be something very dark and powerful about that. It seems to be very the that seems to be the one percent of the world that be, is becoming involved in that. You know. Yeah. Okay. the The one percent is a lot of people. Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. like seven hundred thousand. Seven hundred million. Seven hundred million. Yeah, there's a lot of them. There's one percent. Okay, so it, assuming the one percent has the secret. Mm-hmm. then that secret must be something that was handed down or kept or preserved or passed down or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or in itself immutable and indestructible and therefore is carried within the DNA of this 1% or uh, something, you know, in, in itself is so perfect that they it can't be held or but can't be... Well, I think like any truth, it just transforms, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's forever and ethereal, is it? Well... Say it's an idea, mm-hmm. okay, a moral idea or uh, a truth, mm-hmm. a, a snippet of the past, and they, they hold it and mm-hmm. it links them to the past, whatever this secret is, then um, it's pure, even if they may not be, okay? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that, oh, well, two things. I want to maybe just quickly say a bit about what you said before I launch into it, but um, better mad than dead Maybe they, maybe you know, mankind's crazy. You know, society seems to run in complete, absolute opposites all the time and contradict itself. Yeah, I'm not actually sure anyone knows what's going yeah, on. Yeah, it, it it looks as if no one knows what's going on, mm. um, and so it seems to be a lunatic asylum. Mm. But it's like if I had a seen seen old grandmother, mm. she's crazy, but she's not dead. Mm. The moment she went crazy, I should have killed her because if because why is she, it's crazy for me to maintain something that's crazy. Mm. But better, my grandmother's crazy than dead. Now mm. that's that's melancholy, and that's romance, and that's yeah. love. Yeah. So if the organisation, so just think, the organisation in, in this secret organisation in its centre is pure. Yeah. And we're all crazy. Right. <laughs> Does it? Should we? Should it just kill us? Yeah. So hope might go both ways. Mm. So I just want to quickly touch on that. Okay. So rings. You said pedophile rings. Um, that's. Okay, so I've taught it. I taught at a Muslim school, mm. and I've taught at a Jewish school. I've taught different different theologies, and um, what I noticed is it's a bit like um, when people, if you've been to China, and you eat Chinese food, mm. and you meet the people and the culture, and mm. you get to know them, and you fall in love with them, or whatever it might happen, or any other country. But then you come back to your own country, um, you go to Chinatown, and you realize it's a facsimile of China. Yeah. It's not really Chinese food. It's mm. Aussie Chinese food. It's a fusion. It's a mm. blending. Mm. It's like um, in a Wild West town where you have big buildings, but really it's just facades. Yeah, that's it's right. Very, it's, just, it's, just, it's just the front. It's, it's a shallow dip. Yeah. Um, so the 
and and when I've taught at these Muslim schools and these Jewish schools, what I've and other religions, Catholic, what I've seen and Buddhist, what I've seen is that the edge of the bubble is always a bit brittle. Mm. That in the deep in their culture, if you go right into the Muslim culture, it's fantastic and beautiful and almost endless. Okay, it's a lifetime's worth of profundity. Mm. But on the edges, they appear as terrorists and fanatics. Because that's the edge, and the edge is scared, and the edge rears up, and um, so it, it it's ugly. Mm. Okay, so when the when worlds collide, mm. there's an ugly, brittle edge, mm. and I think the pedophile rings are ripples outside the edges of this organisation colliding with us, mm. and the non and and the tip a baby is a very self centred thing. And it, you know, it's the center of the universe, and as it grows up, it slowly realizes it's not. Mm. Okay, so the the pedophile rings to are, are, are rip, can only be ripples if of of, of evil to mm. use the word, mm. unless it's bounced off something. And it's and the human being as connected to the mammalian to the to the lizard, it's. It's morality is, is not there. Yeah. On a on a on a behavioral level, we're not. You know, on a on a genetic level, there's not much reality. Reality is a shared spiritual consciousness. Mm. So we make the pedophile rings, but to put it bluntly, our individual say patterns of self preservation mm. pretty much would mean you know you know if we were you and I were in this room long enough, I'd eat you. Mm. Or you'd eat me. <laughs> That's yeah, what be, happens. Yeah, you know, you're a great guy. Yeah, I wouldn't exactly. want to eat no, you. No, no. But but the, the the succumbing to the to the to the um, to the pure need, physical need of energy, mm. brings us in um, sort of tears us under morality. Yeah. Um, so and we can justify we, things that we wouldn't be all normally yeah. able to justify. So, so uh, you know, I hear a lot on pedophile rings, you know, yeah. and 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 then, but I know that some of those people. That speak and voice about it have either some percentage, small percentage, have either been um, the victim of a pedophile or are pedophiles. Yeah, who might be projecting, yeah. so they could be suffering it yeah. and propagating it through their own lives, not intentionally, not in the crude manner. Mm. But I've had someone who I'll sit down and you know, serve a cup of coffee, and the next thing you know, I'm I'm reliving their pedophilia experience, like they're yeah. inflicting it on me. Yes, yes. Okay, so the different levels. You do run into those people that, that within a two or three minutes, especially if you're uh, an empathetic person, mm. within two or three minutes you're wearing their life story. Like that's happened to me a lot over the years. Yeah, you yeah. end up taking that, and I, mm. and I and and I I don't think that's that that. that that's not moral. No. <laughs> okay. no, no. Um, and so, the when so in the outer edges, you have these ripples out of the seven million people yeah. that are one percent. There are seventy thousand, perhaps, which is yeah. still a small percentage of the seven million mm. who are doing awful things. Who are on the like edges the, of that pure center. Percent of the one percent. Yeah, the point one. Of the, yeah. Yeah, 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 and but because they're powerful and because they're celebrities mm. and because they're vain. Mm these ones outside on the edge and because they're showing because they dare to be on the edge and is, is that is that, that's an interest yeah you talk about dare to be on the edge there's a personality type there narcissistic mm. sociopathic mm. like you you must have everything however has not the capitalist and materialistic society have they created it to suit themselves like because obviously all ceos are pretty much 
nuts. Like on a, you know, if you if you give them the tests and stuff like yeah, that, psychopaths. Yeah, if you have to be at that position, you're 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 a psychopath or a mm. sociopath or whatever it is. Have that 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 because I mean, then you're talking about a percentage of a percentage, right? So it's something like six percent sociopathic, narcissistic, psychopathic. You know, of all people. Those six percent. If you look at the who we have given our power to, the power of the global corporations, the politics, the celebrity, it's pretty much that personality type. Yeah, but but that those personality types, um, psychologically on a psychological level, are pretty empty on the inside. The mm. shells. Mm. Um, there's nothing there. Yeah, they're that's quite right. boring. Yeah, take away the tinsel and the suits and the Ferraris, mm. and um, so those one percent are really mirrorballs in mm. a sense. Um, the narcissism is it, it's the, it's a two way street. Mm. We love to look at them, loving to look at them. We you know they they're very reflective. Mm. Um, that's why they're put up on pedestals and they're read about every day. Yeah, um, and they love it, and we love to look at them. Mm. And it's vain, evil's vain. Um, so we empower them mm. by looking at them in a sense. Yeah, they they love us to be shocked by what they do. You know, it's what would um, no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah, no it? bad. No, better be talked badly about than not at all. Mm. So we, you know, when I said earlier about these pedophile rings, they are because they're they're sort of the buffer zone reflecting us. That self love we all have, that idea of self preservation. They are, in a sense, the the celebrities are. Um, a projection, a, proje- a, a ref- reflections and projections of our desire, of mm. our concept that of self-preservation. They're icons of that to us, so we empower them, and they they love that what we don't know about them. You know, they, mm. so it's a, it, it, we we until we we can't if we want to disengage those rings and break those rings, we've got to disengage our. Uh, our need our, for ourselves, that. Our, our need, need for that. Our need yeah. for that. Which, and, there, and that's a lot of disengagement of the, the ego. It is, yeah. And There's a lot of hubris involved yeah. in some of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to – I want to lay the – we've got to we, – if we can't catch them and stop them, we need to lay the blame on us and what we allow ourselves to be enamored by. And also allow to take place. I mean, you know, the, one of the things that – obviously not growing up religious, I, I – never got indoctrinated to that sort of stuff and i went to a uh, a communion or a confirmation or something one of my uh nephews on on my wife's side and i'm standing there pretty much the only non-catholic there reading the screen and thou want to death and the devil be within you and fucking and but i'm reading it like i read those books in the bookshelf there i'm just reading it to see what it says and the almost blind, zombie-like appearance the majority of those people had while they were reading those words, and I was reading them for what they actually said as opposed to the, the imp- in, um, perceived meaning behind them, it blew me away. Because, I mean, how do we, how do we tolerate that the, one of the leading religions on the planet is so known for its pedophilia you know like like if, if it was any other if it was a sporting organization you know you, you, if you turn the analogy around you know the afl great game but on the side they were rock spiders we would wipe that sport from our existence but because it's encapsulated in 
a spiritual belief, as you say, we know, everybody knows, doesn't stop it, doesn't stop them having that power. So just, I just wanted, because obviously there's the celebrity side, but there's also the religious side. Because the other thing you hear about these orders and these civilizations is some of these dark rituals that supposedly involve children and all this. It's really nasty, nasty stuff. Hard to even really talk about. However, it keeps coming up. It keeps coming up, you know, and it, and it is actually all ritualistic. They're in their hoods and they're doing this and there's, you know, and how much of that's disinformation and misinformation, I'm not sure. However, why is it a persistent thing throughout all history and all stories that there is a side of society that does this fucking dark, dark shit. And for it seems to be, for me, from my perspective, that for the last, who knows, a few thousand years, they're the ones that have been in control. These, these... And, like, I, I do understand esoterically what you mean about the secret. However, my hope, I suppose, is that they destroyed it because it was actually good for us and they wanted to take that away. You know, you talk about the matriarchy versus the patriarchy. You talk about true egalitarian civilizations versus this is my patch of land, fuck off. You know, it's it, there seems to be a, a changing of the guard some at a, at a junction point in the past which took us away from ourselves. You know, I think... Modern civilization and, and this civilization that we allow these people to control because we give them the power. You're right. It's the same as like if everybody just stopped deciding that money was actually money, it would have no meaning. We've only decided that it is because we've decided. If we could truly get together on a global understanding and say, no, it's not. This you know this $5 now, it's now worth 5000 If we got enough people to agree to that, that's what it would be. So we give them, you're right, we give them that. It's interesting. That's like a reflection or a fraction or a, or a perception of... It's sort of like um, um, Lord of the Rings, where Frodo's being, you know, given the ring. Yeah. And, um, you know, because he's the most, he's a very innocent person um, and naive and has yeah, no Yeah, he doesn't want to use it for what it's supposed to be used yeah. for, yeah. But even, but after, but the, you know, obviously the challenge for him is that he does start to um, take on the um, hubris mm. of the ring, um, the position of it. Um, so th if this organization contains some piece of knowledge um, and they begin to share it, then it's not surprising that some people who gain that become, have, start to get seated with evil yeah and the and the, the corruption mm. and um sometimes that'll be very quick mm. when they tell someone like maybe they they say hey here's the secret and that person goes okay and either and you know the three outcomes is there when they hear the truth you know they get the revelation mm. that they're going to um merge with it mm. be open to it or they're going to seem to and mm. later on prove corrupt or they're going to just go insane instantly, you know, mm. just drop dead. Their heart stops beating. You know, yeah. They can't handle that secret. Yeah. So um, if you're this organization, you're being part in trying to give people the secret um, and you're so worried about the ramification of the secret that you've been destroying ancient sites over millennia to slow it down the knowing, then when you tell a person who heads an organization or any individual 
you're gambling on whether they'll start their own religion because they just need to tell one of the herbs and spi- secrets of the you know secret herbs and spices for them yeah, to yeah, yeah. start you know being worshipped yeah and even they don't even have to voice it and then I just while you were talking there I thought to myself what if while we're sitting here or we finish this podcast and there's a knock on the door and whoever it is comes in and says righto Triff righto Richard we heard your conversation mate we think you can have the secret but if we we'll tell you both but you can't tell anyone else would you take it would you take that knowledge it's an interesting question mm. Yeah. Well, well, just say um, a door appeared in the wall here and it led to paradise. Mm. Instant happiness forever. Mm. And it's there for 10 seconds. Would you walk through it? Would you want to, you know when you walk through it, the person you love can't mm. go through it mm. because you don't have time to tell them. Mm. So do you walk through it or do you just let it close again forever? Mm. So they knock on the door and they say, do you want to hear the secret? But you are now going to disengage it forever with your the people you love do you say yes well you're going to be asked once exactly you only got one chance for the answer so when are you ready to go through a psychic death yeah you know yeah and what would you that's 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 an interesting that's the uh and what what are we talking about mate you go back well i i I, I, okay so going back to the organization say they know that by telling the secret even if they're successful in telling us that the entire everybody, there's no one to disagree. Yeah. Once it, you know, it says in a biblical sense, you know, the word is known from north to west. You know, when the apocalypse yeah, happens, yeah. It's, when, it'll be known from north to yeah, south, instantly. east to west instantly. So, yeah. so if so, I if they come and tell us a secret, then I don't think they preface it by you don't have you can't share it. I think it's beyond that. I think they would just tell you the secret and leave it to you. And I don't think anyone yet on earth has being willing to share the whole secret yeah. he's been told um buddha might have buddha might have tried mm. you know well jesus, I suppose jesus may have yeah. tried if you did muhammad exist. muhammad peace be upon him yeah zeus yeah you know, exactly things, yeah. The, yeah exactly you got it driven so you know and were they told the whole secret were they mm. told a little bit and look mm. what they did mm. and not that they did bad things they did straight good mm. but that they but that door to paradise you know they you know, everyone. You know, everyone gets the chance to see the door of paradise. You know, in their life and when they die. Yeah. Um, but if someone knocks on the door, they're basically saying you're ready to die. You know, yeah. what I mean? because you would become when you know the secret. It's not something you know when you see that. Let's say those optical illusions. When you see the old lady instead of the young girl, you always see the old lady. Yeah. Do you want to? You know. Um. I I assume that there might be a knock on the door, mm. but I hope it's as far away as possible. Mm. even if it brings great happiness because it's going to separate me from humankind mm. as it separated them. They are, have little regard for the pedophile rings as we claim to hate them because of the fact that they see how it's formed by them and us. And yeah. they const- and, and to themselves, they, the centre might, even the pure centre wouldn't be saying, oh, why don't they do anything? Why don't they change so that mirror is not existing? Mm. You know, they, they could point the finger at us. Mm. But we like to point the finger at them. That's true. All the time. But, I, you know, do they retaliate? Well, no, because we're here and they haven't they haven't thrown the secret out there and fed it and said, you know, they haven't put it out there and say, eat all you want. You know, they haven't, when they know the consequences is, A, we become, we merge and lose our psyche, lose our own connection to those that love. Because mm. I won't, my son, my daughter, I love them. Mm. 
But if I if I there's a knock on the door and I'm told um, and I think I know what the secret is, but if I was told by them and therefore made it real, mm. I won't love my son and daughter any more than I love your son. I mean your kids, you know. Yeah, it's all one. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. do I want to be that kind of person? Yeah, but mm. not now. Yeah. <laughs> so knock on the door, sure, but not now. So yeah. I'm I'm very much for hoping that knock never happens, mm. not because I fear it. Mm. But because I love, I love this this stuffed up world. In this world of the COVID, and in this world where there's pedophile rings, it's my son and daughter. Mm. So, do I get rid of the pedophile ring by sharing the secret and no longer love my son and daughter? It's a sacrifice of. It's a. It, it, it's it's purely opposite to what an animal would do. You know. Mm. Yeah, wow, there's a lot there to unpack. That's so fascinating. It's interesting, as soon as we said knock on the door, we're both sort of glancing at the door like, yeah. <laughs> waiting for yeah, it. Yeah, and get... the more we glance, yeah. the more there'll be a knock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right, because mm. we're looking. Yeah. Mm. But is that not what we're doing now, mate? Is that not, are we not searching? Well, like I said, I think they're, I think it's not that they're trying to prevent us from knowing, but they're slowing down the knowing mm. to for because they have mercy on us. They're not trying to kill the, old, the crazy old lady yet. And I suppose at, at one time, once upon a time in a land far, far away, or a galaxy far, far away, uh, it was just, it was, you know, there was nothing. Whereas we have been left alone, or we've been left to our own devices, or we've created this existence, and it's sort of like if you took any one person and said, hey, aliens exist, Right? they do here's the proof one person individually would most likely be able to comprehend and and, and understand that and 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 f- put that through you get 500 people together and put it up on a giant screen there's going to freak out you know what i mean mm. like the, the mm. collective could well, you look at you look at people who um say say there are very um wise sane um reasonable minded people who who will tell you quite openly that they've been adopted. Yeah. Okay. And I'll put it, I'll put it, I'll put it as a story. Um, uh, uh, in, um, 400 years ago in Devon in England, uh, uh, a man has slashed his leg with, uh, with a hoe going through, you know, plowing. So he goes to the, the old witch lady mm-hmm. down the hill because it's getting, it's infected. And, he should he should have that leg off. He should be dead in a few in a week because of the infection and um, yeah. But he goes to the he goes to the you know he's told about the, the old witch and no one likes her and trusts her. But he goes because he's desperate and he's in great pain. Yeah. And she heals him, and she says to him when he sits down, "I'm not a witch. I I know that you should die, but I lived here in the forest as a druid type, you know, yeah. knowing their culture for sixty years. Um, I taught my mother and my mother taught me so." I'm going to use these herbs mm. and I'm going to explain to you the application. Mm. I'm not keeping anything a secret. It's all there. And he, and that lady heals him and he, he, he really well. Mm. And within a day it's gone. It's almost as if God did it. Mm. And then people say um, in the village, how did that happen? And he says, oh, you know, the old lady, you know, she's actually not a witch. She explained everything. Oh, what did she explain? Because that's too good. 
oh, well, she used um, several herbs. And okay, what were their names? I don't remember all of them all. Mm. Oh, and then it goes to the next village. And by the time it gets around, it's just that old witch did a spell. Yeah, yeah, she's used, yeah. Yeah. Chinese so, whispers. So, Chinese whispers. So, these people who are abducted, they're, they, they're, they, they, they see something that they're not. That they're, they're, is beyond their concept. Yeah, okay. unable to comprehend. And yeah. you know, and aliens and the whole thing. And what if the aliens talk to them as mm. reasonable as possible? Okay, I know this seems to startling, and they explain everything. It's not too common. I hear stories where the person returns to Earth, and when they say what happened on the spaceship, they're anal probed. Yeah, you know, the that sex animalistic. You know, that's their interpretation, mm. perhaps. And is of it, something they yeah. couldn't comprehend, so they dumb it down but to, to themselves, instincts, they, to, to their base instincts, instincts yeah. to encapsulate something that they made perfect sense at the time. Yeah. And no matter how carefully these sophisticated beings might have explained the secret, mm. by the time it gets to them, it's mm. that, and by the time it gets to the to the tabloid press, it's that, or something else, even yeah. cruder. Yeah, that's well. I think you know, sex and violence sells, isn't it? Yeah. So once it gets to the the paper, because, the actual... because they're eventually they're, they're they're telling animals, <laughs> yeah, you know, machine, you know, um, machines that just want to have sex and eat, <laughs> you yeah, know, it, it's yeah. prime drivers, you know, like sharks, you just want to eat. Where, you know, they communicate with sharks when they talk to us. So, you know, they've got a long, but but but. <clears throat> It takes a lot of intelligence to speak to someone who's not so intelligent. Yeah. And um, so they're just as flawed as we are, mm. you know. So once again, it's the edges of the your cultures are brittle and hard and ugly. Mm. The aliens that stay on their planet would perhaps be the better aliens to talk to. Yes. <laughs> but the ones yes. that bothered to come all the way out here to the dung heap, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it may not be, maybe, you know, driven by a mad desire to know us. Yeah. Not necessarily. Um, a pure from intent. A, yeah. Mm. And a pure center. So, and I think it's like us. I think you've got a pure center. Mm. I've got a pure center. Mm. Um, everyone does. We're little mm. motes of, 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 of stardust. Yeah, absolutely. Center. They glow. Absolutely. absolutely yeah. But we're clothed in flesh and lusts and wants. Mm. And that's what the Catholic Church talks about. You know, they, you know, they, they were all about, um, you know, abstinence and abstain from the, the sins of gluttony and everything. But, but not originally, though. No, not originally. But, you know, and and... And which came first, the pedophile or the or the sins, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah um, but yeah. one bred the other, absolutely. You know, in the hope that by warning us, well, of the ab the abstinence the abstinence bred a because we as you say we're animals and their basis instinct is to mate and to eat and to sleep. That's mm. basically all we really want to do, mm. right? So in re in restricting one of those desires, it's like anything. You tell someone they can't have something, that's what they mm. want. Mm. You know, and you, you restrict that and it, it'll find its way out in the nastiest way possible mm. over the course of time. Mm. And that's... So again, we go back to we created our own... In order, in order to close something that was supposedly positive, because the story that I, to, I heard is that the original priests that were preaching the Lord's Prayer, because they were the Word of God, that's a pretty desirable thing to be. So these guys were like rock stars. They were, you know, no no woman was off, off, off the table. Basically, mm. if you mm. got you know you, you get the word of God, you got the seed of God, mate. You know, let's be honest. You know, so it's like so. In order to curb that, they adjusted the Bible for however many millionth time to put abstinence in there, 
which therefore created this monster. Because in the denial of baser instincts, they will find a way. It always finds a way. I often see, I've often have seen um, in certain celebrities and um, intellectuals and um, religious people of note that many of them um, clothe truth and when they, they do it to make truth seem mysterious and they do it to make truth seem ugly, that they put masks over things. Mm. Um, and masks, that's like, interesting. Like, as in the lyrics to songs and certain um, class modern classics, I could pretty much pull or deconstruct. Yeah, and you and, and show how in light of them perhaps knowing something they that they should have been everyone should have known, they purposely hid it so they could become individually worshipped. And, and in a sense manipulated what they knew to um, make themselves appear bigger than they are, to feed yeah. their ego. Yeah. Again, and we like watching that. It's fascinating yeah. watching a train wreck, it's isn't like, it? Yeah, it's like they've got um, pieces of iron and they work out that if they rub it one particular way, they're a magnet. Mm. When, yeah, they don't um, keep it in disarray, but they, ma- they magnetise us by um, honing in things they know that perhaps they should have told us. Okay, next question. Is, so, understanding, I wonder, like, so we're having an esoteric discussion about secret and knowledge and all that sort of stuff. So let's pretend that they went on a systematic destruction of this global spiritual culture. I, You know, I think the Roman Empire was probably responsible for a lot of it because it was, you know, join us or die type deal. Uh, and then obviously the British which really were an extension of that empire and the remnants and the evolution of that empire in certain ways, they continued it because obviously they stole the secret or they were past the secret or whatever. But let's pretend that that's like 4,000 years ago. Are we actually chasing something now? Is the knowledge even still there? So you say these blue bloods, these one percenters, they may have the knowledge and they hang on to it as this golden key or tablet or whatever the hell you want to, however you want to interpret it. And in doing that, obviously, how can the knowledge still be there in truth? Like, are we, like guys like ourselves, like you were looking for the next project and you found Stonehenge. You know, I started this podcast to explore all these different ideas in doing that, you know, and unlocking the code, is the code even there? Is it, do these people actually have the answers anymore? Do they can they even comprehend them? Do they even understand them? Because they're part of this society as well. They are, you know, they've got they the Ferraris and all the bullshit, right? So it's like they've created something that they're now a part of. And if that knowledge was a greater spiritual knowledge. Like, oh, you talk to this person and he'll give you the answer. You talk to this, you do that. I don't know if anyone fucking knows, man, anymore. Like, do we truly know what these sites mean? Do we? Can we actually truly interpret them? I don't know whether we can. The, okay. Um, people decry the destruction of the Library of Alexandria. They say how awful it was because, you know, you had this big repository of knowledge, this vast storehouse of um, learning that could, that if uh, maintained and hadn't been burnt to the ground and, or the papyrus destroyed may have put us on, you know, interstellar technology by now, perhaps, and yeah, other yeah, and yeah. spiritual leaps. 
um, or returnings. Uh, but by the time the Library of Alexandria was destroyed, it wasn't really the Library of Alexandria because over the 700 years that existed, uh, the original really profound scripts were had to be copied mm. because papyrus only lasted so long. If it has parchment, to be, papyrus is yeah. only going to last so long. It doesn't matter where you store it. Yeah, yeah, and if it's if it's not touched, it's fine. Like the ones in you see in museums that are found untouched um, can be uh, like 4,000 years old, and they look like yesterday compared yeah. to what paper might look like well made but, but even but they but the but by when you read them you destroy them by unrolling them and looking yeah, at them the sweat and they the sweat and, exactly yeah. so just contact just movement that makes them brittle so in that sense and and what and and if you read deeply into the history of the library of alexandria you realize that by the time the library even though it was full of scrolls was destroyed they had been copied and copied so many times and the author had no had no choice but to change the language through language changing beyond the library. Yeah. That what was destroyed was a mere remnant of what was originally there, even mm -hmm. if it was 10 times as much material. Yeah. The secret. It's all an interpretation. Yeah, the interpretation, interpretations. So, well, And that's like you talk about like ancient Hebrew was actually letters or numbers and numbers were letters. So when they translated those documents, were they talking in numbers or were they talking mm. in letters? Like does anyone actually really know? Yeah. And that translation then to Latin, then to Greek, well, even then in to... Even in English, read and read, you know, the, the, the spelling's the same. You know, mm. it's going to be, mistakes are going to happen, mm. even, from, even, you know, by the experts. So I believe that when Stonehenge was destroyed, and Aussie, you know, and all that invasion, um, which I believe was um, ordered by the, this organisation, the order. I think so as well, um, yeah. But the, evidence, think, the evidence seems to be pretty clear on that. But I believe the Stonehenge they destroyed um, was chosen partly because, despite how important it may have been, was a remnant of the Stonehenge that was by the time they destroyed it. And yeah. it wasn't anything that they needed. To, the, the It had already changed a lot, I believe, over the 10 millennia. I think what was taken down in even 1938 mm. was a very crude copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of what was there mm. originally mm. for a long time. Sort of goes back to what we're saying is that even if we had the the missing capstones, the missing crystals, the missing whatever it is to activate the machine for want of a better description, how do we, we don't even know how to work it anymore anyway. Mm. You know, it's like, you know, if, well, you, the if you don't know how to put a key in the ignition of a car, like if you had no knowledge of the ignition... We go back to our car analogy. Would you ever be able to start it? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like you've got no, you, you don't have the, the the to unlock the code. You don't have the key to start. And particularly with. when the car um, was originally a Lamborghini, but has now um, is is a carriage with um, spoked wooden wheels. You know, it's the the. I believe I've got reason to know and well understand. That the original Stonehenge was crystal, yes, and in, and but the what was destroyed in 1938 was sandstone. Yeah, so, so once upon a time it was a different understanding of yeah. what it was. Yeah, and I think it was something before crystal. Wow, I think you know, yeah, the, the crystal conversation keeps coming up. Like I seem to be keep having it, whether I'm perpetuating that or don't know. However, you know, our understanding of crystal is a 
is 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 very primitive as well, considering it powers most of our technology and silica-based microchips are just crystal. You know, we we don't want to talk about it like that. You know, so it's like, yeah, it's fascinating, mate. So so what? So okay, so let's break it down, right? So even if we, so if, if the grand secret was you can be told, but you can never tell anyone, and you'll be forever changed that much that it makes no, it'll make such a profound difference to your life. Because I know you're a pretty happy individual. I'm a pretty content. Well, not happy, but content. You know, we we have things that we're doing and and we enjoy the contrast of the human existence. Would I want to not be able to do this? Would I trade this for the secret? Even this podcast is called Unlocking the Code. If I had the code to to the lockbox, would I use it? It's interesting. I don't know. So and then we say that we so, don't even understand it anyway. Even if we had the code, we'd open the box and it's potentially empty because we couldn't see what was inside it anyway. See, in, in speak, on, we're, we're speaking fairly um, on a. On, we're able to speak fairly freely and intellectually now, because we're not in. We're not um, being disturbed. There's yeah. no knock on the door. Yeah. Um, so even on in, in, and if there was a knock on the door, now we'd probably be more tense for a while. Until the secret was told, until we'd made a decision. Yes. You know, if they said, Here's the, do you want to know? If we said, no, okay, you'll never see us again. And we probably forget them. Yeah. And this podcast would probably disappear. We wouldn't even really care. We'd just think, oh, we had a good night. Yeah. Or we say, yeah. But until we say yes to the secret or no to the secret, we'd be quite, being human beings, and we'd be quite anxious. Yes. At what we decide. Yeah. Um, but even in your most unanxious state, you're, you're all saying, I don't know. mm so imagine them if they're outside the door wondering whether they're listening and going, do we not? Yeah. We, we don't want to do that to him, mm. you know. So until you know, they can't knock. Mm. So that's a, that, that's a blessing. Well, the, well, where I was getting to with that thought process was if we, if we think back and we look at everything that we've discussed this evening, why then are we both driven to unlock that code we're both driven to find the knowledge but we're having an esoteric discussion about the fact if we were given the knowledge we don't know whether we'd take it yet both both of our life purposes I, I you know talking with you and we're both driven by something like why do I do this podcast I have to it's actually something within me I'm driven to do this you know this this it's its own entity now, and I'm just the conduit. However, I have to do this. It's not necessarily like I don't. If I sit and think, I, I always tell people, even though I'm a I'm a teacher on a day to day basis, so I spend my life in front of people. I'm an introverted extrovert. I don't necessarily want to do it, but teaching found me, and I enjoy it, and I do affect the lives of my students. Sort of like the podcast, you know, I get messages more and more about these conversations that we have affecting people in a positive way. And I'm, I, there is nothing in that that makes me go, fuck yeah, how fucking good am I? It actually, it actually is very humbling and it makes me want to do better. So even though we're not sure we'd take the answer, we're still driven to find it. Why? Why is that? Fools rushing where angels fear to tread. Um, <laughs> Fools rushing. <laughs> the, 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 
um, without feeding our egos, we're super brave. That's why we're born with a certain bravery. You know, we could spend, I'm sure, just talking about your life, you could bring up lots of times when you overcome things that should have torn a less amount of sunder. Yes, absolutely, yeah. And um, we're tornado chasers, mm. but we, we, we do it through these things, yeah. um, through the microphone. And other people chase tornadoes, and they know if they got to the centre of the tornado, they'd be dead. Mm. But that doesn't stop them wanting to chase it. But That's right. It doesn't want to stop them getting as close as they can. Yeah. yeah. And um, carp swims up. Why does carp go uphill, you know, upstream, you know, but it's worship for it. Mm. Um, Francis Thompson, who I believe was Jack the Ripper, he was a poet. And mm. one of his poems said, um, you know, I can't, I, I'm awful at remembering poetry, but it was the, some of the lines are something like, um, why does the... Why does the bird dive into the ocean? Mm. Why does the fish leap out of the sea? Mm. You know, it's, it leaves its element. Mm. There's no reason to. No. You know, it could have, there are a lot of fish, who, birds who don't, a lot of fish who don't. There's no need. No. Why does the fish need to leap out of the water? Mm. It doesn't need to. Yeah. But it does it. And I believe that's the fish's imagination. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, we, what's, what's above that? Yeah. yeah. Like, we. why do we go dip into the spiritual, the waters? It's the same reason why the fish leaps into the air. Mm. Um, we are we lean towards our fears. Um, it's a sort of like, in a sense, a psyche death wish. Mm. Yeah, I, I studied philosophy, you know, at university, and I stopped because I realised it was just a worship of death. Yeah, <laughs> it came down to, you know, um, am, is this my world? Do I, am I in reality? How do I know? Well, if I drive into that wall, I'll get an answer. Mm. Either way, yeah. Either the wall will disappear, or I'll be dead. Yeah, and I might maybe I'll get a split second to get there, you know. And it's interesting how, yeah, how I heard in was it Western Australia that when they had a lockdown, the road fatalities were just as high as normal for any other year, even though there's hardly anyone driving on the road. So were you know how many people are driving? And you just go, I want to know. Yeah, you know what is this? What is what this, does this what mean? Is, what is this like? Yeah. yeah, and those people could be perfectly happy a second ago, but they just have that thought. Mm. You know, oh, what if I leap? Mm. Um, and I've seen that in history, where um, um, to give an example, um, when Lord Byron, Polidori, and Mary and Percy Shelley all gathered in um, Villa um, Dictora, I think it was called the during the storm where um, Frankenstein was born, the novel, and also Doctor Polidori um, wrote Lord Bruthen, the first English translation of the vampire novel. Mm. Um, during that weekend when the storm struck, which I don't know, do you know about the storm? I've, it's it's been a long time, but yeah, if you want to refresh my memory and the listeners' memory, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Okay. So um, the, the um, I won't go who Byron was. No. 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 Yeah. no, no. Okay, so there's a storm, and the storm was caused, not many people know this, but, well, maybe they do, but um, there's a volcano in Indonesia that went off um, yeah. called Tambora, and it was like 10 times bigger than Krakatoa that went off in 1883, and yeah. this was 1816. Yeah. And when it went off, it um, caused what they called, 1816 was called, or no, 18, yeah, 1816 was called the year without summer. Yeah, right. Um, it caused a mini ice age around the world and there were yes, food riots. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, okay, I was and coming back to yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, um, they a lot of people thought the world was going to end mm. and like now mm. and um, people were having extreme thoughts then. Mm. Um, people back then blamed Benjamin Franklin and his experiments with um, kites. They said... Oh, oh electricity and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, they said he caused... Yeah, basically he caused a climate change and the world was going to end. So they're blaming the scientists mm. <laughs> of, that, of that era. They do, yeah. No one thought about it. 
what was going on on the other side of the world because there wasn't there um, wasn't you couldn't pick up the iPhone and see what was exactly, going on exactly yeah. exactly um, telegraphs couldn't you know the telegraph trap was exploded mm. um, at the time um, no they didn't sorry tell you that's another event but no that's that's the solar flare I yeah know about solar that flare yeah, 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 yeah sorry thank you um, but at the time there was no way of knowing what was happening in Indonesia and other, you know the antipodes no, 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 no. um, but um, Polidori the doctor um, he jumped off the balcony of the villa and broke his arm and i believe he was trying to see whether he was trying to you know it, it, you know they were intellectuals talking taking copious amounts of opium and other substances um, so he was just testing the boundaries he testing the boundaries yeah. so that testing of the boundaries you know what is reality can i fly mm. is you know is something that we have since childhood yeah. but what i'm saying is it's not a human condition it's an animal condition yeah. it's not unnatural so what we're doing is not unnatural. No. But I wouldn't recommend it for my worst enemy. <laughs> yeah. I, I always, I've said it, it's probably, you know, over 105 episodes now, you know, more than that. However, it's, I've said it a, a, a lot where it's like, listen, you can, you can come down the rabbit hole with me. However, I, I bear no responsibility for what happens to you when you're in the rabbit <laughs> hole because it's like, because I don't have a way out anymore. Like, I'm 10 miles deep. I don't have a torch. I don't know where the fuck I am. You mm. know, like, would I want to be anywhere else? No. Do I know what it would be like to be anywhere else? No. Do I wonder sometimes whether ignorance is bliss? Yes. Yes, I do. Mm. Yeah. And a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. It is very dangerous, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The There's this... Um, I was, uh, um, I was contemplating and um, chatting some people um, in regard to cot death. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why does God let baby, babies die type thing? Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have sort of said, well, you know, that child didn't get that chance to breathe, mm. you know, see the light of day, you know, what a tragedy. They never experienced anything. But we can experience deprivation. Mm. Deprivation itself is an experience. Mm. The child that dies in the womb doesn't experience life as we feel it. No, but the 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 they're created through the spark of life, mm. the fountain of life, and what they're deprived of is life. Mm. But what they would have experienced is that deprivation, mm. the inability to breathe, mm. the deprivation of the future, mm. and. Um, and maybe there's that idea that babies go to heaven mm. straight away mm. because deprivation is a sort of a holy thing, like the aesthetic monks that sit on a pole. Yeah, for 20 the, years. Yeah, for 20 years. Yeah. And we we say, oh, what they miss out on, but we don't know. We they we miss out on the missing out on mm. that they get to experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's plenty of studies of those monks and stuff like that. Like they can achieve levitation. They can achieve all sorts of things. And they've actually been, again, interesting that it exists in the fringes. However, they did that. They can do that through that. And that is through deprivation, I suppose. Is that not the human existence? Is that not deprivation, fear and tears? I think, I think as you put it. Well, they in a sense by being, by being deprived, of, of the external, they're most human, mm. and um, we're here in this room, actually talking about in the deprivation of the secret. Mm. When we, the listener out there, um, is not is deprived of being in this room, 
um, but that's an experience. Yeah. And they don't need to have this experience to have an experience. Well, that's true. That's true. And I think, you know, one of the essences of the podcast, and we've been told a couple of times, is that the way that we present it is that people do feel like they're sitting in that chair oh, good. or they're sitting next to you. And then that's the leaping fish. Yeah. They leap into our world. Yeah. And they do it on a psychic level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, that's... um. Yeah, well, look, I think we're coming to the end of our conversation. I think that's, I can't think of a better way or a better topic to end on it. And I hadn't thought about it like that, you know, and you're right. You, the rabbit hole is an interesting place. And, and, and the uh, doors, the, there's no knock on the door, but we're having the experience of that deprivation that once that door knocks mm. and that secret's given, we no longer can experience what we're experiencing. So yeah. we're in a state of grace. Yes. In this suffering, you know, um, desiring suffering, we mm. desire the door to knock, but we suffer the not having the door knock. But we don't really, you know, we don't we, really we, want we, it We're to in run. love with the, the suffering, yes, yeah. Misery loves company, yeah. <coughs> wow, well, mate, have you got anything? Have you got anything else you want to say? I know you, you did pluck one of the, the warrior books off the shelf, and I do want you to read from that. But have you got anything else you wanted to share with the listeners? I mean, this has been a very what a pleasure and honour to have you in the refinery, man. And I, and it was everything that I thought it would be, a very esoteric and, and deep and flowing, winding conversation. So have you got anything else for those other seekers out there that like ourselves? Because I imagine a lot of the people that do listen to this, either they are seekers themselves or they're beginning that journey. You know, they're starting that step. And what do we, what do we say to those people apart from buyer beware however welcome <laughs> yeah well it's uh, the look at the world the way the world's formed or is gold is um hard to find mm. um and you have to do a lot of digging to find the gold mm. um and at the beginning i mean i said fools rush in and there's fool's gold mm. so people out there might be wondering when they leave listening to this are they are they is it fool's gold they hear um, and, but my, my answer would be if you don't, if you're unsure of whether this is golden or not, mm. keep on digging Yeah, because you will strike gold. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's all a matter of perspective as well. We're, we're just giving, we had a, a concept that we started with, you know, over three years ago now with this podcast where we talked about what we wanted to do is like, say you got the, the disco mirror ball hanging from the roof and, and every single one of those tiles is a perspective. Mm. And you start with an empty ball. But every time you take a perspective in, you add another mirror tile to that mm. ball. Mm. And the idea being that you want to add as many perspectives as you can to that mirror ball, not only so you can understand things from all angles. However, when you present it with a piece of information, the more perspective that you have, the better able you are to disseminate it and find your truth in it. Because it is just your truth. There is no... There may be some universal law, L-O-R-E or L-A-W, depending on which way you look at it, that may be into play. However, any time you take in or synthesize a piece of data, it's, it's purely your perspective on mm. whether or not you find well, when you said uh, earlier, truth in it. Earlier when you said about how you read the catechisms of the Catholics on the wall, how you, it really gave you the idea that, you know, what is this? It's so foreign to me and yeah. so much what I don't want. Um 
if someone's interested in what we have to say, I'd suggest they read something very or look at something very different to what we've just said. Absolutely. Um, even if they have to read a book on Catholic catechism to provide the contrast, to, to provide the contrast, because that gave you contrast to see a, 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 a better reality, mm. uh, in, well, better in the sense of more conductive to what probably is. Yeah. Um, so it's. I'm glad we've given a one side, a one sided story. Mm. Um, and and as strongly as we can, mm. in but as as easily as we can too, mm. so they can a, a wise person will let go look at the other side of the story. They might want to read a book on economics or, or biography of a CEO. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they might just yeah go and don't be afraid to pick up an object, pick up a thought, and and and, and, and like a stone it. and play with it. Yeah, because if. And if you're worried about how that affects you, then put the stones down and sit on a pole and and, and contemplate this who you are and be a bit aesthetic. Yeah. Um, because you're a true centre. People need to trust their true centres mm. because that's what's going to get them through all this. And um, I'm glad we've given them a pla- we've, we've had a platform to talk. Yeah. And we give them a, another a, a, a petition, mm. but that we, we've just blocked perhaps potentials that hopefully they will stand us by. Absolutely. Mm. And, and 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 as always, guys, I am. I'm saying to the listeners of late, you know, get in touch with me if you want to ask yourself a question or, or me a question. We can actually, uh, you know, maybe the basis of our next conversation could be some of those questions. You know, we're more than open to... Yeah, we, a good essay, uh, as a teacher, an English teacher, I always say to my students, um, you know, they say, how do you end an essay? And I say, well, you're not bringing up new information, but you can in your essay, not even with... A, Phrasing as a direct question, bringing in a concept that's an evolution mm. of the of the actual question of mm. the original essay. Mm. So you're bringing it to a new level. Mm. You're saying unique to, of yourself mm. that adds adds another brick, adds um, takes us another step further, and hopefully that um, that we you know that that in the future how we, the way we talk is just crude babbling absolutely. to what someone else will say. Absolutely, and, and absolutely. We hopefully, will be a bit of a stepping stone for someone. Absolutely. Well, mate, you found a page of the the warrior, the way of warriorhood. So, what does the book tell us? Okay, this is page one forty nine, and it's "Do not forget great card kindness even for a single meal." And this is by the Emperor Wen Di. And so, do not forget great kindness even for, for a, a single, single meal. meal. Seems enigmatic. I'm interested. In that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's too simple, and I don't understand it because of that. Yeah. Um, so I'll get the long version by reading the by reading the page. Well, read the page. Read yeah. the page to us. Yeah. People in today's world seem to feel that the world owes them something. They have the attitude that they are somehow special, deserving. Gratitude is something that many people pay lip service to, but never really understand what it actually means. Sure, it's common to hear someone say "thank you." but are they actually grateful for the kindness that they have received? Mm. You should remember that no one owes you anything in this world. They don't have to hold the door open for you. They don't have to return your lost dog. They don't have to do anything for you at all. It's only out of the kindness of their heart that people do nice things to other people. And you should be sincerely grateful when someone does do something nice or kind for you. As a teacher... I see ungratefulness on a daily basis, especially in younger people. Someone will do them a favour or go out of their way to help them and they wouldn't care less. When I lecture them about how lucky they are that someone was willing to help them, I hear 
things such as, well, it didn't cost them anything, or it was no big deal. People lost the attitude of gratefulness. This should not be the case for the warrior. The true warrior knows that if someone does something for him, he is indebted to that person. At the very least, he should show sincere gratitude. But what's more, he owes that person for their kindness. Don't take small acts of kindness for granted. Be grateful for what you have and for what others do for you. Well, mate, again, the warrior book comes out. Does that not uh, pretty much encapsulate everything we've said tonight about gratitude and I think at the end of the day, the fact that we get to sit down and have a conversation like this, like I have, I am in a state of gratitude having you here in the studio, like, and I think it's very much reciprocated. And if we can focus more on gratitude for what we have, then maybe even the knowledge and, you know, the, all the things that we spoke about just being able to contemplate such ideas we should have gratitude for and then we can find our way forward from there yeah well we should be grateful for that for the state of pain we're in mm. because one day when pain's sent to oblivion and we're in pure ecstasy we will only know it through the pain we're in so we should be grateful for for it, for for being mm. being able to be witnesses absolutely being witnesses to to the calamity of today and <laughs> and um clinging to what is human absolutely and guys don't stop moving don't stop searching don't stop seeking because it's through alternative perspectives from wonderful listeners like yourselves that we will all learn and we'll all grow and maybe we can come to a place where if we were given the secret, if we were given the, the, the keystones, we could maybe activate them. And I think that the way forward is exploration of conversation and consciousness and what we're doing tonight. Yeah, well, Pete, it's, it's no small thing to say that everyone who's listening and those who have been you know, unable to listen mm. um, are the keystones. Yeah. Well, mate, thank you very much privilege and an honor and uh hopefully we get to sit down again soon you're very kind and i'm very grateful i'm grateful as well mate <laughs> good on you guys thanks very much we'll talk soon cheers Oh
Yes, yes. 